Every municipality is a partnership between the town leaders, the public, private businesses, schools, and more. Crucial to their success are building key partnerships with organizations that help the mission of the municipality, organizations like the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving. Jay Williams, President and CEO, joins us today to talk about that mission and how the Foundation supports the 29 municipalities in the Hartford region, and how his unique background as a mayor, a liaison to local governments for the White House, and a U.S. Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Economic Development gives some critical insight into the needs of municipalities. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway and Houston Community Colleges. The Municipal Voice is the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast in collaboration with WNHH LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host, Matt Ward. As always, be sure to give us a like and let us know what you're thinking in the comments. CCM's Municipal Voice podcast continues to present a key forum on important state local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the consensus views of CCM or our member municipal leaders. Jay, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We appreciate it. Well, you have an interesting background um, that eventually led you to come to Connecticut. So first off, could you tell us how you went from, you know, Youngstown, Ohio to the White House and now to the Hartford Foundation? Certainly. Well, Youngstown, Ohio is where it all started. Uh, it sounds like the beginning of a novel or something, but it's <laughs> it's not that interesting. Uh, I was born and raised in Youngstown, Ohio. It's my hometown. Uh, went to, to Youngstown State University and really started my career there in banking and, and ultimately mm-hmm. Uh, went to work for the city doing community development. Uh, one thing led to another, and the city of Youngstown uh, is a town that had undergone significant uh, economic upheaval from the mm-hmm. uh, halcyon days of the steel mills and manufacturing mm-hmm. to much more difficult economic times. But I was inspired to run for mayor, mm-hmm. uh, and I was elected as uh, the first African American mayor and the youngest mayor in the city's history. And I was serving as mayor of Youngstown, uh, mm-hmm. engaged and. Uh, what I guess was perceived as a lot of innovative approaches to really try to think about uh, reframing uh, a city to move toward uh, a future of mm-hmm. economic sustainability and viability. Uh, that caught the attention of uh, several other communities across the country and, mm-hmm. and actually across the uh, across the globe. Uh, and as I was serving as mayor, it so happened that a presidential campaign was uh, uh, gearing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing led to another, uh, and I early on uh, had an opportunity to meet then Senator Obama. Uh, he was ultimately elected, uh, and I, you know while I thought that was great, I was al- also happy serving my second term mm-hmm. as mayor when I got a call from the White House, uh, and that ultimately led to a series of conversations. And I was uh, invited to join the Obama administration in 2011, and ended up serving six years uh, in Washington D.C. Then ultimately. Uh, ended up in Connecticut because the board of directors for the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving were going through a CEO search, uh, mm-hmm. and based on sort of the what they were looking for and, and mm-hmm. where my career path had been, it seemed like a perfect fit. So here I yeah. am. So the job was something that kind of drew you to Connecticut. Was there anything else that kind of drew you to make the move to Connecticut in general, where you saw the job and said, yeah, I could live in that state and, and do that? Absolutely. That's a great question. So uh, ironically, I had come to uh, Connecticut, the Hartford area, on a couple of occasions during my service uh, in the administration Mm -hmm. uh, to do some economic development, community development projects, and um, got a vibe that uh, Hartford and the general Hartford area reminded uh, both my wife and I a lot of home. We're from, again, from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of assets, also some challenges, Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful natural amenities, great people. So when I went back to D.C. with no inclination that there would be an Mm -hmm. opportunity to 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 come here to 
to uh, for the next chapter of my career when mm -hmm. uh, the opportunity did present itself um i reminded my wife that this is a place that i had some familiarity with uh and then when we came to visit during the interview process we both were struck again about how mm -hmm. much this reminded us of home in so many mm -hmm. ways and at the same time saw lots of great assets and opportunities so uh, I was, we were both attracted to, I think, the general landscape, the the broader community, the people mm -hmm. that we met. Uh, and again, this this career opportunity to be a part of the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving as it was going through its next phase and its next evolution just yeah. ended up being a perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to hear you say that, you know, so coming from Youngstown or whatever, how much Hartford felt like home. And, but when you think about it, they do have some similar they do. Of, of you know industrial strong industrial pasts and now Absolutely. trying to figure out what the next next stage is that's really interesting e even as far as the connecticut western reserve i mean uh uh back in the early part of the century you know yeah, ohio was, was technically exactly. part of connecticut yeah absolutely so yeah. Uh, what's even funny is some of the same town names uh oh. you know here get, re get repeated out there Absolutely. that's that's really interesting Absolutely. yeah and like we're repeats of some in england it's, it's exactly repeat exactly exactly what is the overall mission of the Hartford Foundation? Who do you serve? We serve 29 towns uh, in the okay. greater Hartford region, uh, about 750 to 850,000 residents in that mm -hmm. region. We are approaching our 100th anniversary. And broadly, our, our mission uh, is about putting philanthropy into action to create lasting solutions that result in vibrant communities okay. uh, across the greater Hartford region. And that's a that's a mouthful, and it's a broad, mm -hmm. uh, encompassing mission that we welcome. But uh, beyond that, we have a strategic commitment uh, that mm -hmm. we've been engaged in. And in that strategic commitment, which is in service to our mission, we are uh, engaged in activities that will help to dismantle structural racism and increase okay. equitable social and economic mobility. So, mm -hmm. you know, we serve uh, 29 towns, uh, as, as varied from Hartford and East Hartford out to Marlboro and Hebron and Andover mm -hmm. and a whole host of communities, uh, so all different sizes and sizes and scopes and diversity and interest. Yeah. And, uh, again, a great, great region. Awesome. Um, before we get into some more specifics, what kinds or categories of projects do you work on at the Hartford Foundation? That's a great, great question. Um, we have uh, have a longstanding commitment to uh, arts and culture, mm -hmm. uh, uh, deep investments that we've had in education, uh, and those remain. But I'm mm -hmm. uh, very excited about the last uh, several years where we've really tuned our focus or honed our focus uh, into a, a few broad categories. Uh, mm -hmm. One is the basic human needs, you know, the physical, emotional, mental mm -hmm. well-being of residents uh, in our uh, communities. Uh, employment opportunities, particularly employment opportunities uh, in our communities of color where the data has demonstrated those uh, are not as pervasive and accessible uh, as they are in the broader community. Uh, arts and culture continue mm -hmm. to be um, uh, an important focus of ours. Um, resident and civic engagement, which, you know, hopefully we'll talk about uh, really uh, helping citizens to strengthen and raise the voice and participation uh, mm -hmm. in their uh, communities in which they live. And the other uh, category that we're really focused on are higher opportunity neighborhoods. So mm -hmm. housing and economic and then entrepreneurial activities. Uh, so those are the, the key areas and the outcomes mm -hmm. that we've been focusing on for the past three or four years. Well, the, kind of the main pillars of what you're focusing on. That, that's Absolutely. really cool. 
And how do uh, grantees get chosen? Um, like, could a nonprofit with a branch in the Hartford area, but based in Stanford, let's say, apply for grants? Or could, like, a department within a municipality apply for funding for a project? The answer is yes to both. So we okay. uh, serve primarily, again, our 29-town region, but we are also the largest community foundation in the state of Connecticut mm -hmm. uh, and one of the largest uh, in, in the country. So oh, wow. while we are regionally based, we do have relationships across the state of Connecticut, but to your point, uh, there has to be a, a very strong uh, and abiding connection to serving uh, residents or organizations uh, mm. in our region, in our 29-town region. So uh, to answer your question, uh, nonprofit organizations can apply through, uh, you know, through the website. We have mm -hmm. a process, uh, a rolling application process uh, where we make uh, funding available. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, on occasion, send out requests for proposals where we have a specific need or ambition or aspiration that we will uh, send, uh, open up for mm -hmm. proposals to be received. Uh, there are partnership opportunities. So uh, we try to have a pretty wide aperture for mm -hmm. uh, organizations to approach us through, again, very specific opportunities or what we call access grants, where we try mm -hmm. to make ourselves as accessible to the nonprofit communities uh, in as many ways as possible. Very cool. And you mentioned that uh, you can apply for that sort of stuff uh, through your website. Is that just hartfordfoundation.org? HFPG.org. HFPG.org. Okay, right. I'll flash so up it, on the screen here. Thank you. It, well, uh, it explained the process. So I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but we try to make it a streamlined process where um, there's a conversation that is held mm -hmm. with the staff. And then uh, out of that conversation, we gather some information and have an mm -hmm. exploratory uh, opportunity to ultimately uh, that may lead to an invitation to apply. And again, there are others that are sort of just ongoing rolling applications. Mm -hmm. And they can find all that info on the website. And all that information on the website. Very cool. We want to talk about uh, a few examples of uh, the Harvard Foundation in the news. And there's no shortage of examples, certainly, to, to pick from. But uh, the yeah. first one is obvious for us. You gave uh, six groups just over $100,000 to support civic engagement. At CCM, we believe in the impact of not only public service, but community civic engagement. Um, could you tell us a bit about this grant, uh, the grant funds and how it's being put to use? Absolutely, and I can also relate to that as a former mayor, uh, the Definitely. importance of civic yeah. engagement of, of citizens being actively involved uh, in their community, raising their voice. And uh, the grant funds that we provided uh, do just that. They help citizens come together uh, working uh, to build the capacity to address issues. Uh, we, again, let me be very clear, we are uh, a, um, an apolitical, uh, nonpartisan, uh, you know, 501c3, so we don't mm -hmm. get involved in partisan politics. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, uh, civic engagement uh, is not partisan politics, and people mm -hmm. uh, who are desirous of raising their voice and who are desirous of having an active hand uh, in the quality of life in their communities, we think is essential for mm -hmm. the functioning, the well-being, and the functioning of a society. So that's what those grant funds uh, are doing, and we're excited about it. Uh, it is something that we've expanded uh, because you know we just think that it is uh, essential uh, for for all of our well-beings that people have the ability and the knowledge and the awareness uh, involving and engaging themselves uh, in civic life and in, in society. So one project uh, in East Windsor, uh, the Harvard Foundation helped establish the uh, Greater Together Community Fund. Um, how does that partnership work? Do you kind of guide the process, you know, need to help them out, or do you just kind of manage the back end and, and the funding? 
That's a great question also. So not only do we have one in East Windsor, let me be clear, we have uh, a community fund, a Greater Together Community Fund in every one of the 29 towns that we mm -hmm. serve, East Windsor being one of them. Uh, and that is what we, uh, or what is called participatory grant making, okay. uh, which is which is different than uh, what you, when you think about traditional philanthropy, where a foundation has resources mm -hmm. and sort of sets uh, uh, conditions around those resources with mm -hmm. participatory grant and makes the decisions. So with participatory mm -hmm. grant making, we have broad parameters that, that mm -hmm. guide all the 29 towns, but the idea is really for committees of volunteers within those towns to ultimately have uh, the decision-making or the recommendation mm -hmm. power as to where they would like the grant funds to be applied in their community. So it mm -hmm. really shifts the, the decision-making. We, we, to your point, have to process, and there's some technical things that we have mm -hmm. to do uh, from uh, from a functioning standpoint, but really the decision making, uh, mm -hmm. the thought leadership around uh, what those towns think are uh, in the best interest and the best use of those funds, mm -hmm. uh, they are charged with that. that so that's an mm -hmm. awesome responsibility. We help to equip them and educate them and 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 make them aware of the process. Mm -hmm. uh, but this isn't Jay Williams or our board of directors or our staff making the determinations. These are volunteers within each of those 29 mm -hmm. towns who come together through a committee process. Uh, and it's worked very well. Uh, you know, some of the towns want to build walking trails. Some of the towns mm -hmm. are interested in community centers where seniors and young people can come together. Others have used them for uh, help to enhance ambulance services. So it's been a really gratifying experience to see all those towns have that ability. And, and those are resources we provide them mm -hmm. uh, on a regular basis. So you, you have the resources there for kind of broad categories of things and, and things that you think need help, but as to how to actually implement them in the towns, you kind of rely on that town's local knowledge of, of what they need in their community to actually determine the specifics of how they should go about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have, again, very broad parameters. And when I say yeah. very broad, it has to be nonprofit. It has to be, uh, you know, it can't be political, uh, but the towns can get to a level of granularity and specificity. Mm -hmm to you know to suit their interests and i think that's the beauty of it it really shifts the the decision making and the power to uh the towns we we encourage the towns to have um a collaborative uh diverse reflection of that town's makeup um they we provide guidance and and, and mm -hmm. counsel to them but this is not the heavy hand of the hartford foundation saying well we think this is what's best if you're in um, Avon and you're on the committee or you work with the committee and, and Avon wants to do X project, that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, and Bloomfield wants to do Y project, that's great also. Uh, our role is to really help encourage the participatory, participatory part of that. And mm -hmm. to also, uh, we replenish those funds. So we've uh, provided them an initial rollout. Uh, it was $100,000 mm -hmm. for each town. Mm -hmm. uh, we've just uh, replenished those funds with an additional $50,000 for each of those towns. Mm -hmm. uh, and we anticipate, you know, with, with the board support to continue doing that uh, for a number of years. So we've, we've got a lot of positive feedback and it really takes grant making and puts it at the grassroots level. You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WNHH 103.5 FM. You did a backpack giveaway recently at Dunkin' Donuts Park mm -hmm. uh, with supplies for about 4,000 kids. That's that's really great. Um, 
kind of a no-brainer in terms of why it's good for children, but could you talk a little bit about the giveaway and other programs you have for students kind of through the school year? Absolutely. That particular event uh, was in partnership with the Hartford Public Schools, uh, which mm -hmm. is uh, the largest school district uh, in our uh, catchment region. We also work with the Alliance Districts, which represent uh, school districts in other towns out, mm -hmm. outside. Uh, but it's important because, again, we want to, uh, and I hope whether you have school-age children or children or not, uh, we understand the importance of, of, of kids getting off to a strong start. And uh, we don't take for granted uh, the cost and the needs uh, that exist, uh, some things that might seem fundamental and basic uh, and easily obtained by some isn't always the case. So uh, the supplies, uh, the technological uh, tools and equipment that, that students need to succeed today, uh, and also a positive environment. So they mm -hmm. see adults uh, wishing them well, uh, uh, pining for their success, supporting them as they yeah. start. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, our own son, who is uh, 12, just turned 12, he starts school this week also, and he is a, probably a little less than thrilled about it. But, yeah. you know, nevertheless, we want him and, and all kids to get off to a strong start. So it's just exciting to see the parents. And also, I think, sends a message to the parents uh, and mm -hmm. to the guardians uh, and to the loved ones that we are here. Uh, we are your community foundation and in every way uh, appropriate and possible, we want to support the educational success uh, of our young people. At CCM, you know, we have a lot of different efforts going on, but one of our newer ones that we've started doing is we've really started focusing on um, issues around equity uh, in mm -hmm. Connecticut. And we started a program, CCM uh, Cares and Representation Matters, uh, we, in cooperation with the campaign school at Yale, where we were helping uh, people who might want to, specifically from communities of color, who might want to become engaged in local politics on the how-to of how to run for politics and, and things like right. that. Um, I know your foundation just started the first ever Connecticut Communities of Color Nonprofit Stabilization Fund, uh, which seems to touch on you know some adjacent issues. Um, can you tell us more about that and why it's important for Connecticut communities of color to have these resources? Sure. Uh, and just at a point of, 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 of slight correction, we actually didn't start it. We, um, okay. through funding that we provided, and, and but this was exciting because we mm -hmm. provided uh, a pair of $1 million grants to organiza oh, wow. two organizations, uh, one, the Prosperity Foundation, mm -hmm. and the other, the Hispanic Federation. And it was mm -hmm. the Hispanic Federation that really used some of those uh, resources to, to create the Communities okay. of Color Nonprofit Stabilization Fund, as you referenced. And that's important because um, our nonprofit organizations across our communities, but specifically mm -hmm. in our communities of color, have historically not had the, the financial resources, mm -hmm. have not had the access and the opportunity, have not had the capacity building, the ability to strengthen themselves. So uh, through this investment, the Hispanic Federation is really uh, sending a very strong message that uh, not only uh, are these nonprofits essential, it's essential that they are strong, mm -hmm. uh, that they have the necessary uh, expertise uh, and, and the tools to really serve their communities in a way uh, that benefits us all. And, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, when we address and strengthen the challenges and the barriers that exist in our communities of color, we all benefit. Uh, and that is indisputable. And the data demonstrates uh, very starkly, unfortunately, mm -hmm. Uh, that the inequities and the disparities that have far too long plagued our communities of color uh, are something that need to be addressed for 
the broader well-being. So as you talked about the importance of equity at CCM, mm -hmm. uh, we hold uh, the same level of importance and commitment to equity here at the Hartford Foundation and everything that we do. In addition to the Hartford Foundation, uh, you were on the boards and serve as a member of several other organizations uh, in the area that make a significant impact on our state. Uh, Metro Hartford Alliance, Advanced AT, uh, CHEFA. What would you say from your broad knowledge is the most important area of concentration for Connecticut as a whole? Is it infrastructure, economic development, housing? What, what should we be focusing on as a state? That, that's a great question. I, I, I don't know that we have the luxury of focusing on one you know, thing, uh, one single top priority. Uh, you know, we have to, uh, and, and, and the organizations that you mentioned really, I think, reflect uh, my experience and commitment to broad community and economic development in an mm -hmm. inclusive way. Uh, so it is not just enough to say community development or economic development. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you have to be very intentional about being inclusive and diverse in those uh, mm -hmm. statements and those activities, because if not, we will get what we've seen in the past where, um, you know, broad swaths of the community mm -hmm. uh, are overlooked, underserved, uh, either through uh, intentional or unintentional policy practices, approaches, uh, and in doing so, we harm ourselves. So mm -hmm. uh, the the amount of talent and 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 and, and creativity uh, and entrepreneurial ingenuity that exists mm -hmm. in our communities of color has far too long for far too long gone untapped. Mm -hmm. So when we think about Connecticut, which is a, a small state, uh, and 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 tapping into those rich pockets of diversity and inclusivity mm -hmm. uh, through our community economic de development efforts, that to me is is has to be. Uh, uh, amongst the top priorities that we're focusing on. I agree. And it sounds like, you know, um, from what you're saying that some people consider community development and economic development to be kind of two separate things, but really they need to be the same in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Uh, to me, and, and I've said this, that, um, you know, all economic development is community development. Now, yeah. you know, you can have things that are community development that not that are not economic development but to me the broader under the broader umbrella is community development so anytime you're doing economic development that's about community development but you yeah. also have to engage in things that may not uh, be defined as economic development but are important and critical to the the prosperity uh, and the vibrancy of a community and in all of those things in each and every uh, instance you have to be intentional and again yeah. I can't stress this enough you have to be you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't happen by accident. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen by simply uh, saying, well, it's it's a nice to have. What we're saying, it is a must have. It has to be intentional. It has to be deliberate. Mm -hmm. um, it does take additional effort, but the, the outcome is always better. It is always a higher financial return. They're always a, a richer experience uh, when we do it that way. And you know, that's why I think uh, in, in being involved, I try to be very uh, selective in the things that uh, I am engaged in because there's only there are only so many hours in a day. You've only got so much to offer. And, mm -hmm. and I hope to, to be impactful in the things that that I'm fortunate and blessed to be a part of. Just put you on the spot a little bit more specifically for the greater Hartford area. If you were given an opportunity to invest a large sum of money but in only one area of concentration, what would it be? <laughs> oh, my. Um, you know this 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 might sound a bit vague, but I, one of the challenges that that, that uh, exists here is there are so many 
uh, you know, communities that that are, are defining themselves by by their by their geographic borders. I mean, they mm -hmm. are great places. They offer wonderful quality of life and amenities and unique characteristics. But that's also a challenge. I mean, this mm -hmm. is a still relatively small area. So, you know, if I could, uh, you know, I don't know if it's if I don't know if it's money or a magic wand I need, but to get the communities to really not divorce themselves of the things that make them unique, mm -hmm. but also uh, raise the prospect of how powerful it is to be able to be identified as a region to yep. uh, have the some of the parts you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, to be greater mm -hmm. um, than the individual components. And, you know, because I think that there are other parts of the country, I've had the, the, the uh, privilege to travel across mm -hmm. the country uh, during my time in Washington, DC. And those regions that uh, can embrace their individuality, but also understand the importance of an economic and a, mm -hmm. and a, and a, a, a region of arts and culture and amenities and, and position themselves that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and think about how to collaborate across geographic borders. Those are the areas that tend to do uh, better than the areas that, you know, are, are so uh, bifurcated and are so mm -hmm. balkanized. So I think that's, that's what I would aspire to. And that's part of really what, we see as an opportunity as the Hartford Foundation, because mm -hmm. while we serve every one of the 29 towns and we want them to feel that we are their individual town uh, community foundation, we also want to remind them that they're a part of a community. Uh, and yeah. that's where we uh, even use the tagline greater together, because we do think that uh, if we think about ourselves in that context, there are greater things that we can accomplish than we would be able to accomplish on our own. Yeah. I mean, with our 169 towns, they all have their individual histories that are great and we love them all. But at the same time, we also know that as a small state, there's, you know, I think in Texas and stuff, there's counties that are bigger than the entire you state of Connecticut. You, um, you, you got it. And I, so when there, I first there's came, the, somebody... the opportunity for some regionalism there to, to share some kind of services and, and save some money Absolutely. or something. Yeah. Ser services, opportunities. Uh, you know, one of the first things that someone said to me five plus years ago when I came was, Jay, remember the number 169. Uh, and, and they then said, well, this is why you need to remember that number. And you're right. So it, it's a, it, it, there's beauty in that, but there are also, I think, untapped opportunities and really how we think about ourselves. Yeah. Regionalism is a perennial issue for us at CCL, <laughs> and I'm sure it will be for, for years and years to come. I've got the battle scars as a former mayor of Youngstown to, to prove it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know the struggle. On your website, you say that the Hartford Foundation is seeking to ensure the gifts we receive will last forever. How long is the mission of the Hartford Foundation and what will it be in the future? The, the, the existence of the Hartford Foundation is intended to be in perpetuity, such that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are approaching our 100th anniversary in the year 2025. Uh, and while our mission and our strategic commitment may evolve to reflect mm -hmm. the needs and the aspirations of the community, as they have over many years, uh, our very existence is intended to be forever. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is both in terms of how we invest the resources that we are entrusted with in the endowment, mm -hmm. uh, such that, you know, 100 years from now, you and I won't be here. Uh, it's mm -hmm. very unlikely we'll be here unless there's some technological advancements. That Robot bodies, you know. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but 100 years from now, uh, uh, we uh, intend and, and, and structure ourselves so that whatever the community needs are 100 years from now, 
mm-hmm. that there would be resources available through the Hartford Foundation uh, for public giving. Again, the mission might be different. Yeah. Uh, the strategic focus might be different, but we should be uh, around to serve. And, and, and that's how we think about uh, both balancing the urgent, fierce urgency of now and the very mm-hmm. acute needs that we have, but at the same time, making sure that we're also um, in a position to serve those who will come after us yeah. uh, through whatever mechanisms exist then. Yeah, and, you know, we're, we're, we've been focusing on that a little bit lately at uh, CCM with our conventions coming up, where our theme right. is get back to Connecticut's future. Mm-hmm. After a couple of years yep. of the pandemic where everyone was kind of like, oh, we have to deal with this pandemic right now. What do we do? Absolutely. How do we fix this emergency emergency? Now we're starting to look again at, okay, we're dealing with, with the stuff on the ground, but what do we want right. to do 5, 10, 20 years from now? And and, uh, and, yeah. and when the next crisis comes, because it will come, hopefully it's not a pandemic, but when that next crisis comes, how can we learn from uh, the pandemic that we still are in, but that was so intense and so acute over the past couple of years that it can help build the resilience uh, that we will need yeah. to deal with the next crisis? Uh, because they're going to come. It's just a matter yeah. of when and, and it's how we react to it and what we learn from each of those opportunities. Yeah. Have you guys been involved with any sort of projects that have come out of the pandemic, like, you know, being prepared for the next one or how to deal with this oh, one? Has that been a uh, large part of what you've been doing for the last few years? Absolutely. Both starting with ourselves and a resiliency that we had to um, obtain in order to continue to uh, be of relevance and mm-hmm. of, of assistance to the nonprofit organizations. Uh, you know, better use of technology. Uh, frankly, one of the things that emerged out of this that we were, I, I say this, that we were on a path to evolving the the, the, the foundation, but we were talking about it in terms of years. Mm-hmm. What the pandemic made us do was talk about it in terms of weeks and days. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we had to become more nimble. Uh, we frankly had to become less risk averse. Uh, philanthropy mm-hmm. often uh, at least community philanthropy can be a little bit risk averse and yeah. sort of traditional. And and we understood the need to be innovative and responsive, uh, to be more proximate to mm-hmm. uh, the, the challenges in the community, uh, that there is no perfection, to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good, yep. uh, to make sure that we had processes that uh, obviously uh, kept fidelity to our obligation to be a good steward of the resources, but not so much that it was uh, an impediment to us trying new things. So all mm-hmm. of that really emerged out of the pandemic and allowed us to emerge uh, as a better, stronger, more relevant and impactful organization. So that was a silver lining yeah. in, in a very difficult situation. Well, you, you got to find them, the silver lines wherever you can. Is there any kind of, of charities or organizations elsewhere in Connecticut um, that you'd like to, you know, that you've seen that you think be fun to implement in Hartford. Is there stuff you see other other nonprofits doing that you're impressed with, or you know? Yeah, so uh, I think we are fairly well represented here in our region. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do collaborate with our fellow community foundations across the state, uh, mm-hmm. uh, very specifically in uh, the New Haven area, mm-hmm. the Greater New Haven Community Foundation, uh, and in Fairfield County. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to New Britain and some of the others that that are across the state. So I'm not sure that there's a specific, um, uh, you know, activity that that I think exists elsewhere that does not uh, is not present in our region. But mm-hmm. one of the things I uh, do always that we do keep an eye out for are, are innovative approaches. And mm-hmm. and and I talked about a few minutes ago 
being less risk averse and, and being willing to try new things uh, to address uh, some of the challenges, uh, mm-hmm. both challenges and opportunities. So I think always having a ear to the ground, mm-hmm. uh, a willingness to be innovative and to be flexible uh, is, is important and uh, to reach out and, and have partnerships. One of the things yeah. that we have done are partnered with private uh, philanthropies and corporate mm-hmm. philanthropic organizations, uh, because I think an opportunity both in thought partnership and leveraging resources is also something we're excited about. And frankly, one of the things that I also say is uh, from a national standpoint, we think that, you know, there's no reason that some of the things that are going on in our region can't be uh, models for national uh, attention uh, to either replicate uh, in other communities mm-hmm. across the country or us seeing something that's going on in another part of the country and trying to replicate it here if we think it it would be of benefit to our to our uh, communities that we serve. What do you think about the future of the foundation and Connecticut as a whole? Are you feeling optimistic about Connecticut? I'm generally an optimistic person. Uh, mm-hmm. That's sort of my default uh, posture. So I am optimistic. I mean, I'm very uh, pragmatic about mm-hmm. the challenges that exist in this country mm-hmm. uh, and the challenge that exists in this state and the challenges that exist in our region. But that being said, um, I, I, you know, I think the optimism gets me up and, and uh, helps drive me and, and, and others to think of different approaches and, and different innovative solutions and uh, tapping into uh, untapped resource or underserved uh, areas that might, uh, you know, be a well of inspiration. So, yeah, I, I, I am generally optimistic. I, there are days, though. I mean, there are days I'm sure that <laughs> we, we all have them. Yeah. That you sort of wonder, but uh, and and I think the other thing too uh, is knowing that my wife and I have a twelve-year-old son, uh, and what are the things that we can do so that you know all twelve-year-olds and 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 people of you know younger people can you know have a fighting chance and say, okay, well, Dad, what did you do when you were in a position to try to help move the ball a little forward or make the place a little better? And yeah. and so when my time is you know to step aside. I, I can say, well, you know, this is what we've tried to do, and, and you guys take it from here. Yeah, you don't want to be like, ah, we, we didn't really do anything. Right, Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. It was tough. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I want to be able to say something that, that uh, you know. So you're optimistic, but you know that to get to that that place, it's going to take a lot of hard work by all of us. It is, and and that's that's the key. I mean, we there are so many areas that we are unfortunately being divided by politically, culturally, and and and, and others, and. While that's not new, I am concerned that it has become so much more intense uh, and detrimental. Uh, and to your point, you know, whatever, however we're going to emerge, we're going to have to emerge together. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that there won't be differences of opinion and different ideology. That that's been the case since the beginning of mm-hmm. uh, of the dawn of time. Uh, but you know, we've got to be able to set aside enough of those differences to find that common ground. Uh, for you know the well-being of our society, it's just yeah. so. So in that regard, I think that's that's uh, occupied a lot of my thought uh, in the past several years. Understandably. Well, Jay Williams, thank you so much for coming on the show and speaking with us about everything that the Hartford Foundation does. Matt, thank you for having me. Thank you for all that you all do at CCM. Uh, it is so critical to our municipalities, our towns, our region, and look forward to continuing to partner with you all. We'd like to thank our guest, Jay Williams. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. Learn more at gatewayct.edu and housatonic.edu. 
Luminescent Voice is a co-production by CCM and WNHH 103.5 FM. Kevin Maloney is our executive producer, Christopher Gilson is our producer, Harry Drosden on the boards, and I'm Matt Ford, your host. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like, and watch out for our CCM chat series on our YouTube page. CCM's annual convention returns Tuesday, November 1st at the Mohegan Sun Convention Center. This year's convention will be capped off by Connecticut's final 2022 gubernatorial debate. Learn more at ccm-ct.org.